We're in this series called Stirred, and, and so just asking the, asking the Spirit of God, what's stirring? God, what, what do you want me to say? What do you want, to, what do you want us to talk about? And, and today, if you got your bulletin, it says right on that front cover, being desperate. Desperate is the word. And a lot of times, desperate is a, you look at that as, oh, you know, so-and-so is desperate, like a negative thing. And, th- and today, it's not really a negative thing. It's desperate is, is a good thing. Desperate is, um, it does something in us. And so we're going to be talking some more about that. Last week, Adam gave a message about, um, you know, talk, I don't know how many were here, but the, uh, last week he talked about this whole thing about his faith and how he lives it out and, and how, and for the most part, he, it's manageable. You know, it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't even, uh, sometimes, you know, and I don't, I don't know about you. Some, he's, he's a control freak. I, you know, Adam is a, let's bash on Adam. He's not here. Um, Adam's a control freak. He, Adam is not somebody that's going to ask for help. He's just not. He is, he is somebody that's going to figure it out. He'll figure it out on his own. And so when stuff comes up in Adam's life, Adam's not going to be like calling you up and going, hey, I, I, I really need help. He doesn't, he doesn't really do that. Adam thinks he can do anything. He's pretty full of himself. Just kidding. Um, but he, he, that's, that's the thing about him is he, won't, he probably won't ask for help. Um, and, and sometimes that's a great thing because what he, you know, it, it propels him, it causes him to work hard at it, to get it done, to, to do whatever it takes to get it done. But the other side of that is this, a lot of times that flows into your relationship with Christ that flows into your spiritual life. You're, 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 I'm not, I don't need anybody's help. I'm going to do it on my own. And so you don't really involve God in this whole thing called your life. You don't need him. You don't. And, and the only times you seem to need him is when stuff hits the fan in your life, right? The only times it's like your prayer life is virtually non-existent when things are in cruise control. But, but in, when things hit the fan in your life, you're like, oh my gosh, Lord, I need you. I need you. And all of a sudden it's different. It's different. Um, and and, that, and that's, that's the case for a lot of us. That's the case for me sometimes. I just get caught in this, in this, just, you know, I can do it. I can do it. I'll figure it out. I'll get it done. And, you know, I don't want to bother God with these trivial things. I, I, I'll take care of it. You know, and that's not what God wants. That's not how he wants you to live. He doesn't want to have the kind of relationship with you that you, like, go do your own thing, and you're, like, doing it on your own, in your own power, in your own strength. And then the only times you come to him are when it's an emergency, that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for a relationship. And so today we're talking about being desperate. One of the things about being a pastor that's, that's interesting and unique is that um, I get feedback sometimes, okay? And like, you know, there'll be times that it, it may not even be, be me giving the message. I'll, I'll just ask people, I'll say, hey, what did you think about Sunday? How, how, was, how was the message? Did it speak to you? And people will go, eh, it was okay didn't get much out of it. You know, wasn't really sure where they were going. And then I'll talk to somebody else and they'll be like, oh my gosh, it was like God was speaking directly to me. It was like, it was, it was for me. It's like, I don't know how that guy knew what I'm going through. I don't know. Now, what, how do you make sense of that? How do you make sense of the two, the two responses? You know, Rob Esslinger here, 
my good friend Rob. Rob, Rob and I met in like a very, very difficult circumstance. Rob and I met and, and uh, he was going through hell. And, uh, but God orchestrated us meeting and orchestrated a friendship that's going to last for the rest of our lives here on earth and in, and in heaven. Because God, God put us together in a way that was powerful. And you know, one of the things that I learned about Rob is that I, I'd go to church with Rob and I was in a different season than Rob. Rob was in desperation uh, and, and things had settled down in my life. I had been in desperation and then things had settled down. But Rob was in desperation and and so every day, Rob would listen to the radio. He would get something out of it. He, every time he'd go to church, I would, I'd be one of those people that thought, that was the most garbage message I have ever heard in my life. And Rob would go, oh, that was phenomenal. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? How does this dude, everything, God's speaking to him in everything. You know, I don't understand. But that's the thing. That's the thing about desperation, is desperation causes us to lean in. Desperation opens our ears in a way that doesn't happen when we're in control of our life and everything's on cruise control. Desperation causes things in us that, that don't happen without it. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about desperation. Um, and uh, Today, one of our key passages is Psalm 42, 1 through 2. But anybody in flight training, anybody in flight training knows that verse by memory, can stand up and shout it out. Anyone? Anyone? Sissies. Come on, flight training people. Who knows that verse by heart? Stand up and shout it out. Be proud. Huh? You can all stand up and do it together. Anyone? Amy, who should know this? Oh, geez. Audrey Ebrecht, what's this verse? Oh, Junior. All right. Anyway, flight training, it was like supposed to be next level jump school, and this didn't work. I thought all these students would know it. I don't know why Amy V pulled it out, but it's, it's this. It's going to come up on the screen. Because, you see, we memorized verses for a purpose, okay? That's what, you know, the Bible says, hide God's word in your heart. Why? So that you don't sin against him. And this is one of those verses that we memorized, you know, as, when I went through flight training, we memorized this verse, and it is this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for God. Right? The living God. When can I meet with God? As the deer pants for streams of water, there's a longing. You, you get this image of a deer running through the forest, running through the woods, going, I need water. I need water. I'm, I'm, I've been running for a long time. I'm thirsty. I need water. And, and just every, every time he turns around that tree or that bend, he's thinking there's water going to be there. And it's not there. And he's panting. You know, we, we just got back from our family vacation. Uh, we went to Lake Tahoe. On the way, we drove, by the way, that, it, Lake Tahoe is beautiful. Driving with eight kids, two vehicles, 10 people total. 
um, driving with a three-year-old and a seven-year-old as you're driving through the desert in, in Nevada, that's just one big fat bunch of sermon illustrations, let me tell you. I've never seen anything like Nevada. It is ridiculous. Like, I, I sit here and think every crime that's committed, I don't know why they just don't dump those bodies out in the middle of nowhere. It is like every bad movie, The Walking Dead must be filmed out there. Um, everything is like, it's just boarded up. People left their cars 10 years ago and they just rusted out and all the trailers are all broken windows and everything. And you don't know if there's a gas station ever coming. I mean, it's unbelievable. We're driving through, it's 111 degrees and I'm like, oh my gosh. I hope, I hope there's a gas station coming because my daughter's driving the minivan behind us and it's like under, under a quarter of a tank and I'm like, I haven't seen a gas station in like 60 miles. What are we going to do? Because I can tell you right now, we're all going to die out here. There's nobody else out there. The only good thing about it is you can speed like crazy because no cop is even going to be out there. It's pointless. But, but the whole thing, and, and I've never seen this before, I'm driving through, and as we're driving, I'm like, Lauren, it looks on the road, it's like a mirage. It, it's like water out there. You, you're driving, and you, you keep getting closer to it, and it's like there's this water, this like pond of water, and then you get right up on it, and it's not there, but it's down the road further. It just kept moving. I don't know what happened, but, but it made me go, that's, that's the deal right there. That's that deer panting for streams of water that's just trying to get to something that's going to quench that thirst and satisfy. But every time they think it's there, it keeps moving. They never get there. They never get there. So put yourself in, this, in the mindset of it's like a deer panting for streams of water. So my soul thirsts for God. My soul not my body, my soul thirsts for God. That's, that may sum up a good portion of us. We have been running and running and running after things, hoping that that is going to satisfy, and then, it, and then it moves. Hoping we finally found it, and then it moves. And my soul is starving my soul is starving. And now I'm in desperation because I don't know how much longer I can go. I don't know. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Verse 3 says that my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? So, Desperation does this funny thing. When we're desperate to hear from God, it changes things. When we're desperate, when we're in those situations in life where, where like things are turned upside down, it changes things. Because we know that only God can speak to some of these things. That inner soul craving, that it, 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 it's not satisfied with anything else. It isn't. And so at the end of the day, anybody in here that's in desperation mode, you know what it's like. You do. You know what it's like. 
You know what it's like to come to church every Sunday or to sit there and listen to Caleb and go, man, God, please speak to me. I need to hear from you, God. I need to hear from you. I've told you before about a season of desperation in my life when I sat in one of these chairs and I said, God, it was at a different church a long time ago. And I said, God, I'm too stupid to figure out what you want from me. You're going to have to beat me over the head. You're going to have to beat me over the head because I can't figure it out. That's what desperation will do. Instead of coming in here and just sitting in the bleachers and going, oh, you know, I mean, checking it out, like critiquing what's going on, looking around, going, yeah, Scott looks like he's put on some weight, you know, right? Isn't that work? I, I, I heard there was a, a shirt the other day. I bought this shirt because I, with my son the other day because... Um, it, it's like tight on my arms. And, he, and he, he thought it made it my arms look big. Is that, does it do that? No? 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 Desperation causes you to be attentive in a way that, that's not normal. That when we're in cruise control of life, it's not the same. See, I, I don't know about you, but raising kids causes some desperation for my wife and I. I mean, we, we, we are humbled because we are always in this moment of, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I don't, I don't have control over it. I can't, I can't make my kids grow up to be what I want them to be. I can't do it for them. I, and so desperation causes me to come close and come near to God. It does. It does all the time. Because I reach the limits you know, desperation, you want to do, do something, be a part of something desperate, is get up here and do this. Get up here and do this. Put yourself out there. Because I can tell you last night, I tossed and turned all night. The warfare is unbelievable. It is intense. And for all those people that are out there in those moments where you're, where you just, man, God, please be gracious. Please be gracious. That's where God wants you. He wants you to want to hear from him. He doesn't want you on cruise control. He wants you in those places because that's how you're going to know him better. That's how you're going to be attentive and listen and tune in. Because, see, one, one of the weird things that happens, how many of you like chips, chips and queso? Anyone? Anyone? Where's your favorite? Shout it out. Margaritas, chips, and queso. Anybody like margaritas? A few. Come on. What? Chips and queso. This is important stuff here. Jose peppers. Jose peppers. What else? Rancho Grande, salty iguana. All right, which chips and queso do you dislike? El Magway, Magway. okay. This is not good advertisement, I'm sorry. Um, Here's the deal. I don't know about you. I don't know if you're like me, but this, this whole chips thing has got something on me. Like, I hate going to these places. You know why? Because they keep putting these bowls of chips in front of me, and I have no self control. I, I can't help it. 
We went the other day to Chili's and I sat there and, you know, Chili's has really good chips and salsa. And then if you get that side of ranch dressing, that big side of ranch dressing, and if you dip it in ranch and salsa, spectacular. I'm telling you, it's super healthy, super healthy. But, but the deal is, is like these chips and queso, I, I am here to tell you, by the time my meal came out, it was pointless. It was pointless. Like I was so full that I'm like, this is dumb. Why am I even eating? Why am I even eating? And that's the thing about, I don't know if you're the same way, it, it, you know, I'm so bad that somebody could put a bowl of popcorn, and I don't even really like that stuff. I don't like the film. I like popcorn a little bit, but the film and all that stuff that gets on your teeth, you know, the, the kernels that you got to chew on, it's, I don't really like that. But you put a bowl of popcorn, I'll sit there and like shovel it in. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't. Maybe that's why I'm fat. I don't understand. But, but the reality is this, is that one of the things that, that God hit me with is that, you know, we, as a church, we come in here all the time, and, and, and we come, and the problem is, we're already filled up with the wrong things. We've already filled up on all the things that are like empty calories, that don't sustain, that don't satisfy. I've sat there, and I've filled up my life with things that make me starve spiritually, I starve because my life is so full of the things that don't really matter, the fillers. And so how dumb is it to go to a restaurant and know the food is fabulous, like the steak is unbelievable. Like we took my my son and and we went to Sinclair's one time and we splurged. I, I don't know what happened, but... He, uh, my 15-year-old son needs to put on weight. He's opposite of me. Um, but he, he sat there and he ordered a T-bone, uh, no, it was a ribeye steak, ribeye steak. And, and, and here's the thing. I love, I love Sinclair's salmon sandwich and everything else. But, you know, they bring those chips and I start filling up on those darn chips before they ever get there. And so then the sandwich comes and I'm like, it's just not as good because I'm already full. Now, if, if he knew he had a T-bone steak, come, I mean a ribeye steak, which by the way he said is the best steak he'd ever eaten in his life, and if he knew that he had a ribeye steak coming, why would you fill up on chips? Why? Why? Chips are empty. They, they provide little nutritional value. Why are you filling up on them? Because they're there and it's accessible and you're hungry so you'll just take anything. You won't wait for the real thing. You'll just take whatever comes. I don't know if that's you, but that's super convicting to me because I, I find myself filling myself up with things in my life that actually end up causing me to starve spiritually or causing me to miss the main course. Why do I do that? You know, on the back of the, on the, back of the sermon notes, there's a meditation that the staff puts out every week, okay? Asking you to pray and stuff like that. How many are doing it? Raise your hand, loud and proud, meditation, Okay? 
This is spiritual food. And so many of us are so busy that we can't take time to do that. We're so busy that we don't take time for the things that matter. We're just busy running, keeping this frenetic pace. One of the things that, as a staff, we've talked about a bunch of times is everybody is so busy. That's why they're all stepping down from volunteering from things. It's this weird thing that happens. People step down, and, and have, how many of you have seen the movie Mel Gibson? Uh, Mel Gibson, The Patriot. Sorry, The Patriot, The Patriot. Yeah, okay, I have this visual image of, of Mel Gibson. You know, it's, here's the deal. Mel Gibson in that movie, in The Patriot, somebody, they're in a hand-to-hand battle. They're fighting. It's like hand-to-hand combat. They're fighting, and what happens? Someone yelled retreat, and everybody started running down the hill. Someone yelled retreat, and everybody started booking down the hill. And Mel Gibson in that movie, he's sitting there because he's a stud, and he's fighting, and he's like, I'm not quitting. And then all of a sudden, he sees all these people, his, his teammates, his soldiers, running down the hill. Running down the hill. And Mel Gibson's like, no, turn back, charge. Even the flag bearer is running down the hill. Running down the hill. So Mel Gibson takes and runs and wrestles that flag from the flag bearer and runs back up that hill, running back up that hill, gets back up there and waves the flag and sticks that flag in the ground. And he's like, and all of a sudden people started turning around and they started running back to the battle. And see, here's what's happened in our life and in our world. We've got so full on chips and we got so full on empty fillers that don't matter that we started and, we, and it, they've worn us out because the reality is chips won't sustain you. Food is made to sustain you. Any bodybuilder, any person working out knows you are what you eat, right? So if you want to gain muscle, you've got to eat the right things. If you want to be in shape, you've got to eat the right things. If you're not going to do that, then you know what you are? You're out of shape. And you know what? You have no stamina. And you know what? You have no endurance. And you have no energy for the fight. That's what happens. You are what you eat. And so in all this... What's happened in life is we've filled ourselves up on all these fillers, empty calories that don't sustain. And so at the little sign of a fight, we go running because we don't have it in us because we weren't ready. We didn't eat the right things. And so we go retreating. And that's the problem is that this battle that we are in, this battle we're in, All the saints started running down the hill because they know they're already saved. The saints started running down the hill because they're like, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need to worry about it. I'm gonna go back where it's a little easier, a little more comfortable. It's getting a little too hard for me. So the saints start running down the hill when you know what, somebody stayed and fought for you and contended for you so that you could be one of those saints. Somebody stayed and fought even when it got hard. And now it's your responsibility to do the same. 
See, the weird thing about people running down the hill in retreat is people running, I've had it happen to me. People going, why do you keep doing what you're doing? Why are you beating your head against the wall? Why? Why? Why do you, why do you have, uh, stand for people that lie about you? Why do you stand for people that say terrible things to you that aren't true? Why do you stand and listen to somebody criticize you and insult you? Why? It's way easier. Just, run, just go back and do your thing. You don't need all that. Life's hard enough as it is. So go. I hear it. I've heard it a bunch of times. You must be a glutton for punishment. No, you know what it is? Someone contended for me. Some people stood and fought for me. And now I got to stand and fight for them. So even when down deep there's part of me that wants to run, I can't run. I can't run. Because I've got people all around me that God put in my life that are in desperation, that are desperate. I've got guys in my life, whether at work or whether at church, that are desperate to stay off drugs, that are desperate. Like, I mean... It takes everything in them to make it through a day, to fight that battle, to fight that addiction every single day. It's desperate. I've got people in my life, their life is turned upside down. Their marriage is in a mess. It's awful and it's messy and it's hard. It's hard to sit there and listen because you know, sometimes the things that, the hardest times in my life that I don't really wish on anybody are the things that God uses over and over and over in my life. And so God brings people in my life that are, that I, I go, I, I like remember back in those moments when I could do nothing but cry. I remember back to those moments when I thought I couldn't even catch my breath. It just sucked everything out of me. That's why Rob and I have such a great friendship because Rob and I talk about real things and always have because God put us together in the midst of desperation. And God has built him up. I'm so proud of that dude. And you know what? If I'd have turned and ran down that hill, I'd have missed that blessing. I would have. So, you, what are you filling your life with? What's your life filled with? Jesus in John 4, 34. Flight training people, anyone know that one? Amy, still use that one? John 4, 34, flight training people, stand up and yell it out.
You're getting there, good man, good man. My food, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what Jesus said. My food, what sustains me, his disciples came back and were like, right after the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, the disciples came back and said, Jesus, you need to eat. You need to eat. You gotta be hungry. You gotta be starving. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you know what? I have food that you don't even understand, that you don't know. My food is to do the will of him. Of who? God. My food is to do God's will. Because he sent me, and I'm supposed to finish his work. So you as a saint, this weird thing happens when you come to know Jesus Christ as your savior. You know what? All of a sudden, your, your purpose, your purpose is to go and do the will of him who sent you. Because you've been sent, you've been called. You, are, you have a, right, a, a purpose and a role. Your, your food is to do the will of him who sent you. And to finish his work. And so what that means is when we have a family fun night here at church, first time ever, we invite the whole neighborhood. We put a thousand door hangers on all the door hanger, on all the doors in the neighborhood. We did that. Okay? We went to Autumn Place Apartments and we put door hangers on every apartment. And you know what? That night, probably about 25 people came from the neighborhood. Okay? 25 people. And you may go, well, it didn't sound like that many. 25 people came from that neighborhood. We watched them walk. And they don't know who we are. They don't know what we're about. That was scary for them probably. And all we wanted to do is love on them. And tell them we care about them. That's it. Didn't try to shove anything down their throat. But here's the thing. We did that because it's part of contending for people. Because if you know the truth, Jesus in John 4 goes on to say, don't you have a saying, four months more and then the harvest? Don't you have a saying? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're white for harvest. You know what that means? We have this church that's been sitting in this gym for 15 years. And we have a neighborhood all around us that's past it. And I think if Jesus were here right now, he'd say, you see all those houses? You see all those white, white things coming up? There's a harvest there. There's a harvest there. And are you going to contend for them? Because somebody contended for you. Are you going to do the will of him who sent you? Or are you going to fill up on fillers that don't satisfy? Are you going to quit your role at church or are you going to sit here and stay in comfort? Because comfort is a God in in itself. You know that. See, this thing about us is that we as Americans, we as most of us in this room, we don't really get desperation that much. You know why? Because we can pretty much be God when we need to be. When our head is pounding out of our skull with a headache, when it's just pounding, I can go to the cabinet and pop Advil. When I have something that's making me nauseous or whatever, I can pop some other medicine. People in third world countries can't do that. They're dependent on God. When, I, when I'm bored and starving, I can go buy my way into some temporary satisfaction. 
Who needs God? I can take care of it. And so that's the way a lot of us live, is filling our life with our own effort to satisfy something, all the while starving ourselves. It's like this weird thing, you know, if you drank beer all day, all day and didn't drink any water, eventually you'd get dehydrated. And yet you're taking in all this liquid, but eventually you'd be dehydrated. And that's the thing about us is that we keep filling our life with these things that don't matter. We keep filling our time and our schedules with things that don't matter, that things don't sustain. They're empty calories. You keep doing that and keep living like you don't need God. And then what happens is God derails your life because he loves you too much. And he says, you, my sheep, for some reason, keep going for that cliff. And I got to break your leg so that you can't keep doing it. The shepherd's view of the 23rd Psalm, it's a little book. It talks about the shepherd and understanding what, why the Bible refers to us as sheep and, and Jesus is the shepherd. And it says in there that at some point, when a, when a sheep continually goes for the cliff, the shepherd will go back and try to gently bring the sheep back in. But a lot of times, if that sheep keeps doing the same thing and keeps going for that cliff, the shepherd will go and will grab that sheep's leg and will break it. And then we'll take it and mend it, put it back and tape it up. And the shepherd will carry that sheep until that leg is healed. The shepherd will carry that sheep until that leg's healed. And you know what? After that, the sheep will never leave the shepherd. Because the sheep learned to trust the shepherd. So what happens in life is sometimes in life when you're too busy filling your life with things that don't satisfy and starving yourself, God loves you too much and he allows things in your life that are gonna derail you, that are gonna make you uncomfortable, that are gonna turn your life upside down and cause you to depend on him, cause you to live in desperation for him. And he's going to carry you through that. And we, the ones that are still contending and still fighting, are going to help carry you. That is our, our purpose. So, for you, I don't know where you're at in this. Uh, there's some questions that, that I, I want you to consider. What are you filling your life with? What are you filling your life with? When you think about your life and when you look at your life and evaluate your life, what, what's, what, are you, what are you filling it with? Are you filling it with chips spiritually? Or are you filling it with something like that ribeye steak that sustains? <clears throat> are you starving spiritually? Are you? You're in a church and you're starving. You got a you got a you got a you got a responsibility to turn and to ask God, what is it I'm supposed to do with my life?
You know, that, that time that I referenced when I sat there and said, God, you're going to have to beat me upside the head because I don't know what to do. I'm too stupid to figure out what you want because I was trying to solve it myself. And at that time, the pastor who I'd never met, didn't know, knew my name, looked straight at me and said, Scott, do you really think your life, in the middle of this message, it would be like me sitting here going, Rob, do you really think your life's gonna get any better until you start spending time with Jesus Christ? Do you really think your life's gonna get any better until you start sitting and dwelling with him? Do you really think your life's gonna get any better as long as you keep filling your life with chips? Do you really think your life's gonna get any better if you're gonna keep running down the hill like a coward, running away from the battle? It's not happening. It's not happening. So the band's gonna come up and play a song. It's called Set a Fire. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. That's the thing. Right now, as, that band, as the band is gonna sing this song, I want you to sing these words as a prayer. I want you to sing these words out and go, God, set a fire in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control, that I don't have, I don't have the wherewithal to, to, to handle it. It's a life bigger than me. That's ultimately what it is. I'm asking you, Lord, to li- help me live a life bigger than myself. I'm asking you, God, to allow me to be in a life that can't be explained apart from you. That's what I want, God. That's what I want. And it's scary, it's terrifying for me to even pray that. But that's what I want. Because I'm tired of starving. I'm tired of being in this place, unfulfilled, unsatisfied. Let's pray. God, thank you. That you're a God that loves us so much that you won't let us, you won't let us get too far away. God, thanks for being a God who loves us and comes to get us when we keep running, doing our own thing. God, thanks for being a loving God, a gracious God, full of patience and full of loving kindness, full of long suffering. God, thank you that you're a God who loves us enough to come get us. God, help us to be people that live a life worthy of the calling. Help us to be people that have courage, that will stand and fight, that will contend because someone contended for us. God, help us not to be satisfied with fillers and empty calories. Help us to be people that do the will of you who sent us. God, speak to us.